Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. In this episode, we transform to a little bit different style of storytelling as we tell a story of a young frontier rancher who developed a style all his own, led him all the way into the Hall of Fame of the game he loved and worked hard to good good at. The story of more coming up in just a moment. My name's Darren Hayes, and I know you've heard me on the Pigskin Dispatch talking about football history for years. Well, now I'm on a new mission, a quest to find sports history in other sports as well as football by learning through the jerseys and the apparel and the gear that the players wore and the franchises supplied their teams. It's an educational trip, and I'm taking you with me day by day, player by player, uniform by uniform. The Sports Jersey Dispatch. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my sporting friends. This is Darren Hayes of the Sports Jersey Dispatch. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal for great sports history. And we're going to do a little bit of a, a different type of storytelling today. We're going to do a little bit of a mystery and reveal at the end of a very famous player that I'm glad I got to learn a lot about here on my quest to learn more about sports history. Now, our story of this young man starts with the birth of the young lad, and his name was Edward, is what we'll call him, in 1902 in a western frontier territory. Now, Edward's family was uh, full of, they were ranchers, and they were in a region that had a very hard life in that region that they lived in. And his parents dreamed of their children getting an education and escaping the tough farming life bestowed upon them. Well, in school, Edward was, let's just say, not the best of students. One story example has him uh, receiving a school assignment of some 20 spelling words to learn. When a teacher corrected Edward's work on his assignment, he had misspelled 18 out of the 20 of them. Yeah, he was known to skip school often and spent most of his winter days uh, finding a, a frozen pond and a rink and playing hockey instead of attending class. When his parents could find him, he spent that time working on the ranch uh, with breaking horses and herding stock and hauling grain. And all of this helped him in become the man he was that could handle physical activities with grit and determination. Sometime after World War I, Edward went to the Manitoba Agricultural College with his brother. And he's his older brother, and he had not yet become the player that he would eventually be. But he didn't even make the school's hockey team. His older brother told him after failing to make that he would never be a good hockey player, but this made him all the more determined to work hard and get better at the game that he had grown up to love. He had began a stringent work routine to improve and soon he was playing for the Cooper team that was in the Saskatchewan Intermediate Sea League from 1919 to 1923. 
Now, Edward found that playing an extremely physical game could have its rewards. Opponents did not care for his rough play, though, as there are stories that some did some things to nullify his ferocity on the ice. One of these is that once when he was playing in a town of Moose Jaw, uh, imagine that name, that just sounds rugged, Edward seemed unusually awkward on the ice during the game. He was having issues with his skating, and he kept tripping and falling over and getting knocked into the boards and just uh, looked very out of place. The fans booed and heckled the, the player, assuming that Edward had hit the sauce before the game and he was overly intoxicated while playing the game. Well, they were badly mistaken, as it was later discovered that the man at the Moose Jaw rink, uh, who was in charge of the equipment, had sharpened Edward's skates backwards. While there's no proof that could be found to say that this definitely happened, but the Kapar team would be outscored in this contest by the Moose Jaw team. Now, Edward and his Kupar teammates would rebound a year later, and they got past Moose Jaw, and in the end, they defeated a, a really good team, the Melville Millionaires, for the title of the league. So eventually, he moved up in the world of hockey when he joined those Melville Millionaires who had requested Edward play for them in the 1923-24 season after his former team had defeated Melville in that title game. And they, they saw what an impact player that Edward was. Well, he would accept their offer, and he led them to the Saskatchewan Senior Championship in his very first year with that club. And it's not a professional league, so Edward moonlighted as a fireman for the railway systems uh, during his time in Melville. Uh, well, his style of play was that of a punishing bruiser. He would just punish opponents, and he was known for his violence. Well, the Melville coach, uh, knowing this, had asked Edward not to even take one penalty minute during a championship game. Now, Edward took an oath to the team that he would not for any reason commit a foul in the contest or retaliate against anything, and he held true to his word. But it was not his style of play that uh, Edward succeeded at, though. When his opponents, uh, the Winnipeg players, began to see that Edward was not going to retaliate, and they start to hit him harder and harder. And he played a full 50 minutes in the game and was eventually hit so hard that he was taken to the dressing room as he was knocked unconscious. He, when they got him in there, he was found to have a broken jaw, a broken nose, and lost six of his pearly whites. Well. Edward moved up in the ranks to play professionally with the Regina Capitals of the Western Canadian Hockey League in 1925. His team finished last in the league that year and abruptly they relocated to Portland after the season. Edward soon transferred to be on the roster of the league champion Edmonton Eskimos in 1926 uh, when he converted from forward to a defensive position and was given the nickname the Edmonton Express. Edward helped guide the Eskimos to first place in the Western League, and they would play in the final round against Vancouver. In one of the first games in the final, Edward was cut in the leg by a skate, and he required 14 stitches. And his status to play in the final game of the series was in serious question and doubt. And however, one of his teammates jokingly remarked that maybe he was faking the injury. Well, they all knew he wasn't, but Edward, he really took it to heart, and he went out to prove his sarcastic buddy wrong. He played the entire game, uh, but the stitches in his leg came out and the blood started to seep down his leg, leaving a bright red trail of blood on the ice as he played. He played an outstanding game too, but Vancouver came out ahead and won the series. 
1926, the Western League of Hockey folded, and it was soon purchased by a Boston, Massachusetts grocery store tycoon named Charles Adams, who also happened to be the owner of the Boston Bruins NHL Hockey Club. Edward was immediately transferred to the Bruins along with some other stars of the WCHL. His physical style was really suited for the NHL game, and Edwards set a then-NHL record for 165 penalty minutes in just his second season. Well, here's the big reveal. Edward William Shore is the name of the player, and he was the first defenseman to take the puck from behind his own net and rush electrifyingly up the ice and score. He's also renowned as one of the toughest players ever to play the game. And Eddie Shore, as he is known, developed into a top box office attraction of his day. Eddie Shore was a real character, very dedicated. There's one story that says he missed the team train to Montreal in 1929, and he drove straight through from Boston through a blinding blizzard to arrive in Montreal at 6.30 p.m. the night of the game, just minutes before the game. And although suffering from frostbite, he scored the game's only goal in a Bruins 1-0 victory. Amazing. Eddie Shore, wearing the number two sweater for Boston, went on to win the Hart Trophy as the NHL's most valuable player four different times. The most of any defenseman and only the great one, Wayne Gretzky and Mr. Hockey, Gordie Howe, have won it more often. After the league began naming the NHL All-Star teams at the end of the Shore's fifth season, Shore was honored as a first-team All-Star in seven of his last nine seasons, while being named a second-team All-Star on one other seasons, and in the remaining seasons, he missed over half the schedule due to an injury, and Eddie was enshrined eventually into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And what a great story, a great legacy of Eddie Shore most known for that number two jersey with the Boston Bruins and one of their greatest players of all time and the hard-hitting, uh, dedicated, gritty uh, defenseman uh, that came from out there in the Saskatchewan area of Canada. So just an excellent story, and I hope you enjoyed uh, that uh, reveal and mystery type uh, episode that we gave you today. Hopefully it gave you a little bit more uh, intrigue into the game and the story and uh, great legacy of Mr. Eddie Shore. So we appreciate you joining us today. We hope you'll join us back next time as we are going to talk a little bit of baseball uh, with Joe Ziemba and Chicago baseball and learn a little bit about his favorite team and their origins. Until next time, everybody, have a great Sports History Day. This penalty kill is almost over. I got to get back out on the ice. But thanks again for joining us for another great edition of Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. We'll see you tomorrow. We invite you to check out our websites, jerseydispatch.com and pigskindispatch.com. Not only see the daily sports history, but to experience the preservation of great events and people that play the games. Find us on Pigskin Dispatch. It's also on social media outlets of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel. Get all your daily sports history. Pigskin Dispatch is happy to be associated with the Sports History Network, the sports headquarters of yesteryear, found at sportshistorynetwork.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. 
Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians. You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.